Well, praise the Lord. Tonight um, is the once a month time that we focus on spiritual gifts and believers training. And so tonight I want to talk to you about serving with spiritual gifts. Now, sometimes you'll hear people talk about serving and, and what they're talking about is, well, you know, be an usher, be a counselor, clean the church bathrooms or things like that. But a lot of times people are not really thinking about lending their service and spiritual gifts. Would you open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to start with verse 27. First Corinthians twelve twenty seven, it says, "Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they?" All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you a still more excellent way. This is a great picture. You know, the Bible teaches us that we are one body, but there are many functions. Just like your human body is made up of all kinds of parts, each one has their own unique place and purpose and function that provides benefit for the whole body. So it is in the body of Christ. Every part of the body of Christ is just like in your human body. Every part is designed to work with other parts and is also designed to be a benefit for the entire body. Aren't you glad all your parts are working? Mm-hmm. You know, because when your parts aren't working, you're not feeling too good. We've all been there when one of our parts wasn't working right. It's not any fun. And the same thing is true in the body of Christ, you know. Every part in the body of Christ has a unique function. And that's why, you know, there's no room for competition. That's why there's no room for, well, I wish I could sing like her and teach like him. And, you know, there's no room for that stuff. Because we're here to find out how God has uniquely gifted and called us so that we can, you know, we can supply that to the body of Christ. It says that we are to desire the greater gifts. You know, not only has God given us a unique place and position, role and responsibility, and skills, but he also says here to desire greater gifts. Why would God want you to desire greater gifts? So that you could be a better blessing, right? So that you could be of more benefit. You know, there are so many people, they just sit and look at what they don't have. Well, I don't have this and I can't do that. Well, what is something, how has God gifted and called you? And is where is there a desire in your heart to see the power of God move through you? You know, God gives us the desires of our hearts. And it says that we are to desire greater gifts. And then it says, and I will show you a more excellent way. Well, the more excellent way is to walk in love, right? To walk in love is to be more concerned about somebody else's needs than your own. To walk in love is to be more concerned that their needs get met rather than I get noticed for my gifting. And this is something I think is overlooked at times. Sometimes people are, they're, they're excited about, you know, their gifts because they just like to hear the sound of their own voice. Y'all ever met anybody like that? Sure you have. People that just, 
they just love to hear themselves talk or love to hear themselves sing or love to help whatever you know and the truth is they're more enamored with themselves or with ministry than they are with other people because ministry is all about other people and the whole context of this is whatever parts of your body are needed to be functioning we need to have those things in operation right you know there are there are sometimes in churches where you've got too many people trying to do everything you know and it's just like there are times when have you ever been loaded down carrying maybe bags of groceries or something you go in you finally get the front door open you kick the door open and then you close it with your rear end you know it works better with your hand but if you have to use other parts you can and sometimes that happens in the body of Christ you know well we'll have people that well I can maybe help out a little bit, but this is not my primary gifting or strength, you know. And I appreciate people that have a heart to serve and get it done, whatever it takes. But we also, you know, we want to improve and to be a blessing for other people. That's why it's it's great when people seek to develop the gifts that they've got. And that is if you can take music lessons or if you can take a class in speaking or if you can, you know, learn a foreign language or do something to make your gifts more um, more beneficial to other people in the body of Christ. There's nothing wrong with those things. You know, sometimes uh, Pentecostals and Charismatics think that they shouldn't have to do any practice or study or research because it should just be spontaneous by the Spirit, right? Well, see, the God, God doesn't need any practice, but we need lots of practice. And, you know, aren't you glad that musicians have practice before they come? Sure. <laughs> It's a lot rougher when they're trying to figure it out as we go along, right? So pr- practice is a good thing. Let's look over at 1 Peter chapter 4. After a little bit, we'll be back in 1 Corinthians again. But I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 8. We're talking about serving with spiritual gifts. Our heart is to seek to serve one another, to walk in love towards one another. 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Employ it. Isn't that interesting? That's a good word for work, isn't it? Work your gift in serving one another. You see, that's our top concern. When we gather together, you know, so many people, they attend a meeting like this, and all they're thinking is, I've got to get my needs met. I'm, I've had a rough week. I'm tired. I don't feel good or whatever, and I need somebody to come and take care of me. We know the Lord is gracious, and he wants to provide for all of our needs. But on the other hand, if that's a person's attitude every time they come, something is wrong. Because that's all about themselves. That is an internal focus. And it's, not, it's all, not all about us as individuals. It's about serving one another. What do other people have to offer? All right? Verse, um, let's see, verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And this is love for one another. You know, you think about it. How many times have you known that a friend of yours 
was hurting. Maybe a friend of yours was disappointed or had bad things happen. And what does your heart respond with? It responds with compassion that you want to reach out and lessen their pain. Isn't that true? That's when you begin to think outside of yourself. And it doesn't matter maybe what kind of bad day you've had. Have you ever had that thing? You're going to call your friend because you had a bad day. You pick up the phone and find out your friend had a worse day. Yeah? And then, and then what happens? What happens? What happens is that you wind up having to extend yourself in love for your friend, right? It's serving one another. And this is, this is it. It's to be fervent in our love for one another. Fervent has to do with intense and passionate. Do you know what? In this society, it's very easy to get lukewarm about your friendships and your fran- family. Isn't that true? It's very easy to just get apathetic about other people's concerns. But you know what? We don't want the Lord to be apathetic about, apathetic about our concerns. And we want to demonstrate that same love of God that really cares when people are hurting and going through a hard time. You know, the Bible teaches us that we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He feels the pain that you and I have been going through. Well, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we also want to extend ourselves to be that source of comfort for one another. You know, and it's so funny how many times that, you know, God will put somebody on your heart and you don't even know why God's put them on your heart until later. And then you find out they were going through a challenging time. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like when God puts somebody on your heart, let's let our love for that person spur us to action. You know, maybe it's just pray for them. Maybe it's pick up the phone and call them and see how they're doing. But let love that our love for one another be fervent and not just get to where we get kind of half-hearted about these things. Whatever gifts we've got here, it says in verse 10, we are to employ it in serving one another. So if you have, for example, if you are are gifted in prayer and in intercession, you're one of these people that just love to stay up hours and pray and and go to war and, and see things through to the victory. I mean, you love to get a hold of things and, and, and not let go of a prayer request until that thing has been solved. There are people, that is their passion in life, is to do that. Do you know what? That means that you, are, you have a heart to extend yourself in prayer for other people. So use your gifts, use your prophetic anointing, use your insight, and whatever you've got to be a servant to those who are in need of your help. Because you know what? There's a lot of people, they won't ask you for prayer, but they need it. <coughs> you remember the story of Moses who was, uh, who was standing up on the mountain overlooking the battle? And as he was looking, as he held his hands up, the longer he held his hands up, the more Israel was winning in the battle. But after a while, how I many you know battles take a while? He was getting tired. And when he began to put his hands down, Israel began to suffer defeat. And so what happened was, here came alongside her on one side, Arid on the other, they put, they positioned themselves beside him and they held up his hands themselves. They provided support. He sat there on the rock. They supported him so that the battle would be won. There are things that sometimes God has called us to in a position of support. And it's not just to support our leader or our friend or our person, but many times it's supporting what they're overseeing, you know, supporting what they are doing. You know, how many of you think if you pray for your president, it's probably going to be a good thing for the nation? Mm 
yeah. right? If you pray for your pastor, probably going to be a good thing for the congregation, right? This get in there and it's adding that support. And the Bible teaches us there's that which every joint supplies. Every person has a part to play in causing the work of the ministry to be accomplished. The Bible says also in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. We live in a very self-centered time. We live in a time when people are, I was reading something the other day, an article, the whole generation has been raised up on me, me, me. And that's how come they don't feel any responsibility or, or obligation to anyone else except themselves. That's how come you have, you know, the first thing people want to know is what's in it for me. If you ask them for something, what's in it for me? You know, it reminded me when the, um, when the kids were little and I would ask them to do some kind of unusual chore. And what they want to know? Do I get paid for this job? Is there something more? And there were times we paid the kids, but there were also times it's like, no, you're part of a family. And families do work, you know. And I don't believe in paying a kid for everything. You could ask Sarah, she'll tell you, that's right. Because <laughs> we didn't. Because we didn't, you know. <laughs> because, you know, people need to understand it's part of a family. You had the same thing going on in some churches. They won't, they won't play the piano unless they get paid. They won't work in the nursery unless they get paid. They won't do, it's just like, how about having your, he, your heavenly treasure getting stored up, you know? This is part of your reasonable service, the Bible teaches us. Okay. The Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are also doing. To encourage one another. You know, that to encourage means to literally add courage to another person. You know what? When you go outside and you go back to your job, you go back to you know, your workplace, school, wherever you're at, you know what? It's hard out there sometimes. You meet up with challenges. You meet up with problems, with people that don't like you very much, don't treat you very well, right? Anybody else there have that kind of thing? Sure. So when you come in with the body of Christ, what do you need? You need somebody to add some courage to you so that you can pick back up and go out there again and to overcome and to be victorious. You know, there are challenges. You know, the devil loves to discourage God's people and tries to get you to just think, well, it never works out for you, and, you know, nobody cares. And, you know, there are so many people that they have begun to believe that kind of lie from the devil. And it comes down to it, you know, the Bible says, even if your your, uh, father and mother forsake you, the Lord says he will take us up, you know. But there are people that long to hear some encouragement. You know, you can be having even a kind of okay day, but you get around some people who are really charged up. You're feeling better by the time you leave there because they have added value to your life by adding courage. And so the Bible says that we need to seek to encourage other people. And even if you're the one needing encouragement, do you know the law of sowing and reaping to give the thing that you need? That's how it works. There have been times you're like, man, I need to hear from God. You better prophesy. (laughs) There are times you're like, I need to know. You give out what you need so that God can give back. I have been in myself in many times going through challenging, difficult circumstances. There was this one time, I'm telling you what, y'all heard part of my stories before. I forget who I've told what to. But there was one time a friend of mine had invited me to come to their church service. And so I was really tired. I was wiped out and I was going to be a support to my friend to say I was there. Guess what he did? I walk in the door. 
I find my seat. I'm over there, unobtrusive, minding my own business. And he picks up the microphone. Pastor Donna, I make a demand on your prophetic gift. Come up here. We're going to prophesy. I'm like, thanks, friend. Because <laughs> I was going to just show up, receive some stuff, slip out maybe before the thing got really late at night. Guess what? It didn't happen that way. And so, but as I was, but one of the good things I found out about when you're really wiped out and tired and you go ahead and you minister anyway, is a lot of times ministry is really good <laughs> because you're not thinking about it, you know? So I was like, okay. So, um, I mean, I was really, really just tired. And so I was like, okay. So um, called out some people, began to prophesy to them, minister to them. And, um, and it was a really unusual experience for me because I knew I was prophesying it was coming straight out of my spirit because my soul was taking a little vacation. And my mind was kind of thinking, if I've seen this guy before, that must be his wife over there. I mean, my mind is thinking all these kinds of things. And so finally, my mind goes, haven't you been talking for a long time? Maybe you should wrap this up. <laughs> you know, at the same time, my mind is going like this. My spirit is just prophesying because as many of you have been to our training sessions, you know, we just train you to put past all that, put past your body, put past your soul, just flow out of your spirit. And so, uh, and so yeah, I wound up, I found a lot of times the tighter I am, the longer I prophesy. Just go on and on and on. And sometimes you're like, man, this is too long. We need to, you know, shut off and do something else. But, you know what, it encourages you, even, you know, it encourages you when you are giving out to somebody else. Have you prayed for somebody when you were hurting and watched God come through, do something wonderful in your life, and now you're encouraged to believe God again for your own situation? Sure it has. And so the Bible's telling us is that we need to seek to serve other people and seek to encourage them. You know, there's a lot of people that come to church with a smiling face that are really hurting inside. There's a lot of people that do the Christian thing of just, I'm fine, thank you, you know, and they're not fine. And I don't think that we need to be, you know, um, pessimistic and negative and that sort of thing. But sometimes the truth is you're just hurting. That's just all there is to it. Sometimes life is really hard. And, and sometimes, you know, it seems like the devil has been targeting you for a whole week. And so there are some times that you don't necessarily want to get into depression or negativity but sometimes it's like you can let somebody know i just need some prayer i just need some some help and what's really cool is you get around prophetic people they pray your problem right at you i mean they get through and they just pray and then you feel all better because you know they're prophetic they got it from god so it wasn't because you told them anything and so that encourages your heart that god is concerned about your situation and things are going to be taken care of it's going to be okay so now let's go back to first corinthians chapter 14 since we want to serve one another, to love one another, to use whatever gifts and talents that we have to be a blessing to other people so that the body of Christ is strengthened and encouraged and then also so that we receive the very thing that we're sowing. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. To pursue love. Not to pursue gifts, but pursue love. Why is that? Because the Bible says in, in chapter 13, verse 5, love does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own. That means that I will put myself at a disadvantage because of you. 
because of your need, right? That's what love does. Love gets up and goes to work because the baby's <coughs> got to get fed. doesn't matter how much sleep you had or if you feel like it, right? Love gets out of bed when the baby's crying because the baby needs it, right? You put yourself at a disadvantage for other people. That happens with intercessors all the time. God wakes them up 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, whatever in the morning, and they get called to intercede. They don't get to have eight hours of sleep or whatever that night because God has moved upon them on behalf of somebody else. When we are pursuing love, our heart is, this is not for me, but this is for those people. And what can I do to be a blessing to other people? That means that if you know that you have certain gifts, then you want to use those gifts to bless other people. And not only just gifts like healing or prophecy, but whatever kind of gifts you've got, gifts of encouragement, or, you know, maybe you make a nice steak. I mean, I don't know, whatever gifts you have, something that can be a blessing and support to someone else. Isn't that right? So it says to desire spiritual gifts, to desire them earnestly that you may, and especially that you may prophesy. And so if we're going to pursue love, we understand that spiritual gifts are for the blessing and benefit of other people. Isn't that right? Because prophecy is intended to bless the listener, right? It's not necessarily intended to bless the giver. I mean, it does, but the the target is other people the same thing is true if you have gifts of healing those are to target people who need healing not necessarily you i've known a number of people with gifts of healing who could not get themselves healed you know the body has called god has designed the body that we need one another and there are too many people out there that think well i can just handle this on my own that is not true i don't care how gifted you are you're going to need other people in your life isn't that right and not only that, but sometimes you just got a full plate. You just need somebody else to step up and help you. I mean, you know, Moses was pretty gifted. He was a powerful leader. I mean, to lead all those millions of people, they all loved him. You know, he had, he had tremendous encounters with God. But there was a time when he was just flat worn out. And he needed Aaron and her to come hold up his hands. Isn't that right? So pursue spiritual gifts. I mean, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Because we're not looking to... We're not looking to... Um, seek our own comfort to seek our own blessing but we're looking to seek to be a blessing to someone else so when we gather together we want to have our radar up and saying God who has something here who, who has a need who has a concern what is there something that I can minister to I can bless you know I want to make myself available to the spirit of God that I could be a blessing to him or to her and not that they necessarily had to come up and ask me for help, but I want to be available to where God can use it, me in spite of myself, even in spite of the fact that I don't even know what's going on in their life. How many of y'all have ever been blessed by someone who did not know what was going on in your life? Mm -hmm. They did not know, but boy, did they do or say the very thing that really, really helped you. Of course, we've all been there. We've all been there. Now let's look at verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. To edify is to be charged up, is to be built up. 
It's the same word in the Greek as, as you would use for um, edifying your car battery. If your car battery goes dead, the car's not going anywhere. The lights aren't come on and the radio won't play. Isn't that true? But if the battery has been charged up, then the car can go somewhere and you can play the radio and run the lights. And so the church needs to be charged up so we can go on about our business. You need to be charged up so that when you go out of here and you go about your business, that you've got what you need to get you through the challenges that are going to be lying in front of you. You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow or the next day, you know. Maybe not anything new. Maybe just this current same old, same old. But you want to be charged up so that you can go out there. You know, coming here and receiving ministry is supposed to last longer than, you know, midnight, right? <laughs> it's supposed to last you when you go home. Give you something to meditate on, something to build you and carry you forward. Now, prophecy is one way to serve people with spiritual gifts. And the thing about prophecy is it's an all-purpose gift that can touch the most people. If a person just has a gift of healing, the only people who benefit are the ones that actually need healing. But prophecy can affect everybody in the room at the same time. And it's an all-purpose gift. It just seems that even if a person needs healing, prophecy can still minister to them, right? Prophecy can just can tell somebody, I'm going to heal you, right? Prophecy can encourage somebody, I'm going to help you through your problem. So it's kind of an, old, an all-purpose kind of a gift. Also, prophecy is within the reach of every believer. You know, all believers are not prophets. The scripture is very clear about that. But it is within reach of every believer. And I find it really interesting that both speaking in tongues and prophecy are within the reach of believers. And they are often the very first gifts that a person begins to use in spiritual gift ministry. Now, occasionally you have somebody who moves out in healing first or word of knowledge first. But it seems that much of the time, the very first gifts that people start to move in is speaking in tongues and prophecy. And I think that probably... That's one of the reasons is because both of them require faith and both of them require that you yield your speech to, you know, it's still, you know, your voice, your tongue, your vocabulary or whatever. Uh, well, not for tongues, it's not, but, <laughs> but it's, it's still your language as far as uh, what's coming out of your mouth, but the inspiration is coming by the spirit of God. So, and when we notice, when you read through the book of Acts, it talks about that when the Spirit of God was poured out upon people, one of the first things that, that are mentioned is that people began to speak in tongues. They make note of some people speaking in tongues. They also make note of some people prophesying. Not necessarily that everybody in the room was speaking in tongues or everybody in the room was prophesying, but you find that when the Spirit of God is poured out, those things tend to rise up. They tend to bubble up. And I think that in some ways... that. For that speaking in tongues and prophesying is is a little easier than some of the other things. Uh, for example, a word of knowledge is either going to be right or wrong. I mean, they either have a green Toyota or they don't have a green Toyota. I mean, it's just right or wrong. There it is. But prophecy can be much more just encouraging blessing that doesn't have to have a heavy weight of is this word, you know, real super accurate, real, you know, it can just be words of encouragement inspired by God. You see, because prophecy many times does not contain revelation at all. It contains edifying, exhorting, 
comforting, right? And so it's words of comfort or blessing and encouragement to somebody that don't necessarily tell them the name of their dog, you know, what, you know, how many kids they got, where they went to school, or any of those types of things that sometimes we associate with prophecy. You know, some of the most profound and wonderful prophecies that I've ever seen and heard did not contain anything except comfort. But they met a person exactly where the person was. And the person was able to have life come back in their face again and able to pick up and go on one more time. Sometimes people don't, um, are, sometimes people are hindered from speaking in tongues or prophecy because of fear. Sometimes people are afraid. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing. They're afraid of saying something at the wrong time. They're afraid of getting rebuked. They're afraid of hurting another person with the words they speak. Sometimes people are hindered because they feel unworthy. Well, you know, I didn't even read my Bible today. I haven't fasted in a long time. You know, they start unworthy feelings. Why should God use me? You know, I shouldn't this and that and the other. And then sometimes people don't speak in tongues or prophesy because they are expecting this dramatic, powerful wind of God, knock them on their feet, off their feet kind of an experience, you know. And one thing we try to communicate is most of the time it's a still small voice. Most of the time it's the thing that you can easily push aside, push aside or ignore. Most of the time, that's what that, that's all about. So in, look down at verse 31, 1431. It says, For you, may all, you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. So if we're going to seek to encourage one another, we're saying, okay, God, I'm open to prophesying. I'm open to speaking forth inspired words of comfort encouragement and edification right I'm, I'm open God if you want to say something to cheer these people up to bless them to make them feel better I'm your person I'm here give me something inspire me with something to say that'll encourage and bless these folks okay it says that you may all prophesy one by one this also implies courtesy and patience you know, the Corinthian church, Paul had to bring this out because it had a bunch of microphone hogs. <laughs> had a lot of people that wanted to open their mouths and they wanted to interrupt each other. And I, my word's better than your word and all that kind of thing. Do you know what? You, do you know what happens? Just this little pastoral note here. You know, when you interrupt people, do you know what that communicates? I'm more important than you. What I have to say is more important than what you have to say. I, wa- I watch people interrupt themselves, interrupt each other all the time. It's like fighting for competition because my words are more important, you know. You know, that, that's a very self-centered kind of a behavior. And it's a habit that many people get into. I've been in that habit myself. And then just later just have to kind of slap myself. Quit doing that. You know, listen. Keep your mouth shut and let them finish, right? But sometimes, like in the Corinthian church, you had a lot of excitement about prophesying. So why did Paul have to tell them, One at a time. Because obviously, they weren't doing this one at a time. It was shoving, pushing, getting out of the way. No, my turn, my turn. Obviously, from what we know about the Corinth church, they had issues, right? So, one by one, that (coughs) means courtesy and also patience. 
Because sometimes you just got to wait your turn. We were all supposed to learn that as kids growing up. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. I know this. I know this taking too long, but wait your turn. Wait your turn. Courtesy and patience is something that's part of the body serving one another, right? And then the next verse says, the spirit of the, of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That is, you can choose to stir yourself up. Sometimes you'll be in a, in a situation to where everybody is down the dumps. Everybody's depressed. Everybody's had a rotten week. Everybody. And they're all looking at, let Donna do it. Let Kathy do it. You know, they don't ever have a down day. You know, they don't ever have any problems. Let them do it. Let them handle it, you know. And, you know, the truth is, that's not true. (laughs) Everybody has bad days. Everybody has challenges. You can choose to stir yourself up. Just as I was talking a few minutes ago about my friend, he chose to stir me up for me, I guess. But by putting a demand upon me, I could have said, Not tonight. Let's don't do that. But I chose to put aside how I felt and say, okay, because why? Because he wanted to minister to the people. The people needed the word. And the guy that I was prophesying to, he and his wife are crying their eyes out while I'm prophesying to them. I don't even know what I said. But you know you hit something when the both of them are crying their eyes out. And it's like, you know what? It's a blessing to me because I yielded my gift to the authority of the pastor, and I yielded my gift to the Spirit of God, I was able to minister something to help somebody, right? And you know what? That makes you feel a lot better than just if you just, you know, sat down and not done anything. So you can choose to stir your spirit up. And so many times what happens is we wait for the worship leader to stir us up. Well, wait until they get a song I really know and I really like. Wait until, wait until, no, how about you stir yourself up? You know, instead of us being people who are just passive and waiting for the holy unction and anointing to charge you, why don't we say, you know what, compassion dictates that these people need to be encouraged. And and if nobody else is going to do it, here I am, you know. And sometimes when we've got people that, you know, regular prophesiers, regular jump in there and do it, and people do prophesy according to their faith, according to their gifts, and according to... Uh, their experience you know somebody who's never done it before is is going to be in a different situation than somebody who's walked as a prophet for 20 years it's going to be a just completely different uh, type of situation you know people will prophesy according to their maturity according to their gifting many years ago i was attending a seminar and um, the guy teaching the seminar was doing some training on prophecy and some activating people in, in prophetic ministry And they had a guy who had been born again for less than a week. Less than a week he was born again. But he was at that seminar. And so they got everybody in line. You know, they had the way they lined lined us all up. Everybody get in line because you're going to come through line. We'll give you the mic and prophesy. Well, this guy, I mean, he's been born again less than a week. And he's no doubt, is this what they do in church all the time? I mean, he doesn't know. But you know what? The guy got up. And he spoke like two sentences about the Lord being our shepherd. It was wonderful. You know, the revelation he had of God was the Lord is our shepherd. And he was inspired of God to prophesy and give that word, you know. So you're going to prophesy out of your understanding of the Bible, out of your understanding of God, and according to your maturity and your gifts. 
And there are some people, you know, they can, they can really get stirred up and charged up really easy and overflowing. Other people, it takes a little, it's a little different for them. You know, there are some of us who by nature are more given to talking a lot. That's how we're gifted, right? Some of us, we're, we're, it's easy for us just to get up and talk and talk and talk. Other people, it's a lot more of a challenge. But we want to be available to the Spirit of God that it doesn't matter if everybody in the room is an introvert, if nobody in the room is a prophet, <coughs> if nobody in the room has a strong gift of prophecy, that still, God, I want to be available. If these people need something, I want to be available to be a blessing too. Right? This is called the body at work. Right? And we do respect and um, appreciate the strong gifts in our, in our group. We appreciate everyone. And I don't want anybody to say, well, oh, then I should just back off. Well, the, the more mature and more experienced people will find that after a period of time that God will sometimes urge you to restrain yourself so that other people will come forward. You know, for example, I don't have to prophesy every week. I got nothing to prove in that department. <laughs> nothing to prove. I don't have to do it. You know, I can, don't need to all the time. And so I, I just assume lots of times I just don't do it anymore. You know, there was a time many years ago I did all of the prophetic singing that happened in the church, all of it, until we started getting somebody else on the worship team who actually was very prophetic and began to sing prophetically. And after I you know, kicked her in the rear a few times, very nicely encouraged her to, you know, come on, come on, I got to where I just never did it anymore because that slot was being covered by somebody else, you know. And that was fine because part of my job, much of my job, is to equip other people to do stuff, right? So the whole thing is, but still, there are still times I need to stir myself up so I don't get rusty. You know, you can't get rusty after a while. So I want to stir myself up. But the whole thing is maybe my part of the puzzle tonight was to bring the teaching. Somebody else's part was to do the prophesying, right? So we all have that which each one of us can bring to the table to be a blessing, not only in a gathering like this, but even one-on-one. There are unique things that each one of us have that we can give to, to strengthen and help one another. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 21, it says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully and hold fast that which is good. In the Corinthian church, they had lots of problems with their prophecy and their spiritual gifts, right? You had some people getting up there saying Jesus was accursed. You had people, you know, basically getting in fights prophesying. Okay. That's why we don't want to quench the spirit. When Paul wrote to correct those issues, he did not tell them to stop prophesying until they learned better. He didn't tell them, no, only Timothy should prophesy. Nobody else should. He just started giving some guidelines. He says, don't quench the spirit. Let's continue to serve one another in love, continue to have a desire to be a blessing to one another, and let's have some courtesy and patience with one another while we learn some things. You know, the first time people prophesy, the first 10 times they prophesy, a lot of times, it ain't all God. It's, but they out of the goodness of their heart, they're trying to make themselves available and be a blessing. And sometimes people say things and they make mistakes. We don't have any false prophets. But sometimes there are people 
who said something that was a little off or a little bad. And I look at it like, how big a deal is it? Is it a big deal that needs to be really fixed? Or is it something everybody will go, ah, it's okay. And we'll just not, you know, get worked up over things. Because if we create an atmosphere where we come down hard and heavy on every person who makes the tiniest mistake, that will create such an atmosphere of fear, nobody will try anything. You ain't going to get me to open my mouth. Hey, I, you know. And that's how people will respond. So we don't want that. Instead, we'll just say, okay, we're just going to be patient. We're just going to encourage people as people grow, you know. The first time that maybe that you began to prophesy, maybe you stumble over your words left and right. Maybe you can't make sense. <coughs> you, you know, you get your language all turned around. So what? We will be patient and let you grow. You know, there are so many people, they get emotional. They get all worked up. And so then they get, they get a little nervous and maybe their face turns red. They break out in a sweat and and their knees knock, and they have all this emotion, sometimes just out of sheer nervousness. You know what? That's okay. We can encourage people and just be patient with them. Isn't that right? Everybody can contribute something. That's why the Bible tells us here to examine everything and to hold fast the good. That means if you're told to hold fast the good, that means let go of the bad. So why does, why does he tell us to not despise prophetic utterances? Because some of them are not very good. <laughs> some of them you got to get rid of. <laughs> some of them, ah, throw that tape away. You know, actually, I think I told, I think I told one or two of y'all before, you got a tape somewhere else, and I was just like, ah, throw that one away. <laughs> I just don't think that one was God, you know. I wouldn't worry too much about that one. <laughs> But you know what? You can despise. There are people, they want to despise prophetic utterances because, well, you know, look, guys, we are all a work in progress and we're practicing and we're growing in all of our ministry one to another. So the thing is, you got to learn to laugh at yourself, not take yourself so seriously. The world is not going to survive or die based upon what comes out of your mouth. You know, there it's not life and death. There are people... They get so worked up. Oh, I don't want to be wrong. I said, you know what? There are some people I've told them. I said, if you would quit worrying about being wrong, you'd be freed up to say something. I said, why don't you just say it and let us decide if it's right or wrong? Then that free you up? I've had people who got so excited when I put them on prophetic team because they didn't have to worry about it. They said, oh, good. I'm just going to say it, and then you'll let me know if I'm wrong, right? I said, sure. <laughs> And they were free to just go off and just say and do and, you know, go off and have a good time. You know, prophecy does not necessarily contain revelation and it's not necessarily very long. You know, sometimes you listen to somebody who prophesies for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you're thinking, I cannot follow that. (laughs) But when the truth is, sometimes a prophecy can be one sentence. It can be two sentences. It can be tremendously profound. You know, always think about how, uh, what is it, Third um, John? I think the way it ends, little children keep yourselves from idols. It was like this seemingly unrelated scripture, and there it is. And it's this powerful statement, and that's the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. No explanation, no, il- no illustration, no little anecdote to go with it. No, just there it is. And I have seen 
prophecies that were one sentence, two sentences long, that just really, it was the, the rifle bullet got right to the heart of the matter issue, and that's all it needed. As a matter of fact, if they kept talking, it would have diluted the effect of what was being said. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think it's supposed to be longer. That's why we keep talking, you know. Now, some people, they do prophesy, but they never prophesy more than one sentence or two sentences. Those people need to learn to stir up their gift and begin to stretch out a little bit out of their comfort zone because they their need to group need to be growing in our gifts no matter what we're where we're at. If we are used to prophesying, then it's begin to prophesy deeper. You know, we do some exercises to help people just to tap into a richer flow of the Holy Spirit. Some people just need to learn how to quit speaking King James English when they prophesy, something like that, you know. Work on some mannerisms, get some of the, the filler out, and, and get some of the slang out sometimes. Sometimes there are things like that we can do like that that can actually really help improve even our delivery. But in the meantime, we're going to be patient and courteous while people are learning because everybody's got their own style of ministry. You know, everybody's got their own, their own delivery style. They've got the way, the, their content. You know, there are some people, uh, they prophesy, and primarily it's always addressing emotional pain because that's where they're gifted and anointed. And when they, they I've seen people, they've got a radar, they pick out all the people who are emotionally hurting because the word that God's given them is something that always brings comfort and encouragement to those people. I've seen them over and over and over again. After a while, you're, you're noticing this is this person's particular gifting and anointed. You know, they have a real heart of mercy. They're picking up on stuff. And they're able to, to see beyond the smile and be able to see into a person's heart and really begin to, to give them something that will really strengthen them and make them feel better. And so we want to allow people chance to grow. When people are new at these things, they don't know where their anointing is, you know. For example, gifts of healing. You know, there are people who have a particular anointing for certain types of ailments. I remember reading years ago, Ken Hagen would talk about lumps, like people would have growths and lumps, that it was a very easy thing for him. He'd curse them, they'd vanish. He'd curse them, they'd vanish. There were other things he had a little more trouble seeing get healed. We've seen people that had a particular gifting um, uh, with dental miracles. I've, I've known two or three ministers that they didn't have too much success healing other body parts, but man, they can get your mouth fixed, you know. And so, so we can see that when you first begin to pray for people, if you have gifts of healings, you first start to pray for them. After a while, you'll start to notice you have a better success rate with certain types of ailments, certain types of things. And we can all pray the prayer of faith, but you'll notice that you have a special power that seems to be in some particular type of area. And so as we're going, we're going to identify, as we're growing in our gifts, we'll start to learn how it is that God has uniquely gifted and called each one of us. And then also your faith grows strong in that area. When you know that God has gifted you, for example, with with healing arthritis, just say, for example, you know that God has gifted you in a calling for arthritis. If you're in a group of people and somebody is in arthritic pain and you have just seen the last 10 people you've prayed for get healed from arthritis, where is your faith level? It's through the roof, isn't it? Now, what would happen if you had given up with all those cancer patients you were praying for 
all those heart patients you're paying for, praying for, you're giving up. Well, I guess I'm not called to healing after all. No, it's like find out where your niche is. Find out your particular specialty and then, and then go with that and let it be a blessing and a strength to somebody else. There are some people, they have those unique giftings. Now, I believe that the Bible tells us to desire the greater gifts. And so I just believe that in the room when we gather, in Jesus' name, there is in the room everything that is needed for that group of people. Mm-hmm. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty, but there is also healing, there is miracles, there is encouragement, there is wisdom. Everything that we need is right there because the Spirit of God is there. And many times what God is wanting to do is he's, he's even wanting to show people new things they didn't know they could do before. New things. You see, if the person who usually does the healing is that not there, but you pray for them and they get healed, maybe you never knew you had gifts of healings. But you found out just because you made yourself available to the Spirit of God. Okay? You know... We do want to allow people a chance to grow. I think that's really important to allow people to grow. We are not looking for anybody to be perfect in ministering to one another. Even if you are just being a friend to somebody, sometimes you're just not always a very good friend. Isn't that true? Sometimes you're insensitive. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you just got your own stuff going on. But we want to allow people a chance to grow and mature so that they are going to be much more effective. The last scripture I have have is Colossians 3.16, which probably many of you could quote. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, there are lots of other ways that we can minister to other people. We can minister to other people by having the wellspring of, of teaching of the Word of God that's inside of us, having that come out in spiritual songs, having that come out in words of encouragement, things that we've learned from the Word, things God has been burning on our hearts. Just like a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, you know, Jen had something on her heart, and I asked her to share it with everybody. It was something that was particularly unique to her situation, but she was able to really minister an encouragement and a help to a lot of people because of what she brought forth from the Word of God that was well on the inside of her. And so, if the Word is dwelling inside of us, we're going to be able to have wisdom and teaching and encouragement, and even it says admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that even we can begin to be like a good you know, football coach and encourage people to get back out there one more time. And don't forget their training, and don't forget to put on their uniform, and don't forget this good stuff. Get in there and remind people to encourage them to be their very best. Isn't that right? There are lots of ways, folks, that we can serve. I've talked a lot about prophecy tonight. I've talked some about healing. But I want us to think for just a few minutes that when we come together as a group of people, we want to come with a heart. Here I am, God. Whatever these people need tonight, this whole group of people or one person here or one person there, I want to make myself available to you and if there's somebody here that's got a smile but's really hurting you know I want to be available for that and Lord God show me what is it my part to play 
even at the rest of us tonight. And sometimes, you know, our part to play is that we are, we are operating in the gift of faith. Sometimes we're sitting here listening to the word being preached or hearing a prayer or prophecy come forth. And it's the faith that's being released out of our hearts. That's what everybody needs. And as you are, then you can begin to add your yes and amen. And God, you are, you are not a man that you should lie. And you're going to fulfill your word. And we're going to see this and that and the other. You know, you're adding faith and you're charging the atmosphere. Uh, people get it. They'll sometimes get up like a cheerleader because faith has been stirred up so strong in them. And they begin to get up and they begin to exhort the people of God to rise up and to believe God and to pick up and to go forward. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. See, you can come in and somebody else's gift of faith can ignite your own faith. Somebody else's compassion can ignite your compassion. So even if you feel like, well, I'm doing fine. Yeah, but maybe somebody else isn't. Mm -hmm. So we want to look and see what else can be done. You know, maybe it's not, maybe it's a word of knowledge. You know, as far as you know, everything's fine, but God starts telling you. There's somebody here tonight who's got this type of situation in their life that really needs some help tonight. And, you know, by bringing up a word of knowledge and just saying so, the Lord's telling me there's somebody here tonight with this situation. You know, that that sort of thing will encourage them because you didn't know it normally. You know, you got it from God. That encourages them that God knows what's going on in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Sure it does. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, even discerning of spirits, you know. Discerning of spirits where you can feel the presence of the Lord. Or you're aware of angels or even if you're aware of a particular demonic thing that's at work. Discerning of spirits can be really encouraging and helpful to people. And it's also really helpful when you're praying for people at times. Sometimes you look and you can see what the Lord is doing while you're praying for a person, right? So what I want us to do tonight is I want us to do an activation. And as we are many members of the body of Christ, and we all have something to contribute one way or another. So tonight I want us to take a few minutes and let's get before the Lord. And let's just ask the Lord, what can we do to be a blessing tonight? And it may be to an individual or maybe be to the whole group. What are some things I'm looking for? Okay, one thing could be a scripture verse. As we get before the Lord, maybe a scripture verse comes to your mind that you would like to share to encourage everybody in the room. All right, could be a scripture verse. It could be that maybe you've got a song. You know, that's what the word said, right? To teach and monitor one another with spiritual songs, right? Maybe you got a song, bubble, bubble or something that will encourage people and bless them, you know? Maybe you have a prayer that you would like to pray that would really help somebody or help the whole group. Or you could have a tongue with interpretation. If you're going to speak in tongues out loud for everybody to hear, they'd be prepared to give an interpretation at the same time, okay? Otherwise, let your tongues blend in with everybody else's in the room, okay? Um, and then you maybe you've got a prophecy that you want to give, or maybe you see a vision and you would like to share, I see a picture of, and share what you're going to give. Or maybe you've got a revelation. God has given you some type of information, past, present, future, that you would like to share with the rest of the group. But there's something, according to your gifting, according to how um, 
the Word of God on the inside of you according to maturity, according to experience, and according to the will of God. So we're not going to expect any 40-minute prophesying, okay? We're not going to expect, you know, land-breaking revelation. If you get it, that's great. But, I mean, you know, we're not getting, we're not expecting the spectacular. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, spiritual gifts are normal. This is normal. I don't want anybody to get weird. I don't want you, you know, don't, don't think, well, I, I got to, I got to see an angel and I got to have goosebumps and I got to have this. No, you don't. You get to just be normal. Okay. You just get to be normal and say, well, I don't know. I don't know if this means anything or not. This is what came to me. Great. Because this is the body of Christ. You know what? Every day your stomach digests food and doesn't think there's anything unusual about it because it's normal operations. Isn't that right? It's normal operations. You know, inspiration comes out of your spirit. So it'll just, you'll say, well, I just kind of got this on my heart, or this is kind of what came to me, or I think I kind of saw this. And remember, it's most of the time, it's going to be easily overlooked. Very small. If it's a picture, it's usually very quick. Um, I envy those people that can have the, you know, the nine-hour vision, but most people, it's very, very, it's a flash that if you want to ignore it, you could very easily ignore it. So the part of what we're going to look for is take just a few minutes and say, God, is there something, you know, what can I bring that would bless these people tonight? Remember, we all need to have courage added to us. Could be a verse, could be a song, could be a picture. It might even not make sense to you. That's okay if it doesn't make sense to you. We want you to give you a chance to grow and to practice, okay? All right. Let's just, uh, everybody, close your books and Bibles and everything and get very comfortable. Well, I like you to get comfortable because if people are uncomfortable, my feet hurt, my knees hurt, my, you know, when you start feeling like that, then it's hard for you to think about anything except you just don't feel good. So, anyway. So let's just take a few minutes and... And let's just get before the Lord. And remember, spiritual gifts, we're seeking to serve other people. So this is not about you and your wonderful ability. This is about what people need from God tonight. Mm -hmm. All right? Father, we just come into your presence. Father, we know that we are members of the body of Christ. Lord, you have uniquely placed each one of us in the body of Christ. We're not all apostles. We're not all prophets. We're not all teachers. We're not all everything, but each one of us has a unique purpose. And that, Lord, you've called us to be a blessing and encouragement to serve one another in love. And so, Lord God, we open up our hearts. We open up our minds. And we say, Lord God, we love these people here tonight, and we want to be a blessing to them. We want to strengthen them tonight. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. I'm so glad, Lord God, you've placed us in a family, Lord. You've placed the solitary in families, it says, Lord God, that we've got people who will, who will encourage us and be there for us and support us. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord.